Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... Along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to another Frankie Sense and More. This is a little bit different, isn't it? Because here I am, all by myself. <laughs> but I'm not really all by myself. I need to take turn. Uh, there's there's something I gotta do. I gotta turn my Facebook. Gotta turn my Facebook volume down. Hold on one second, because I gotta get to my Facebook, and then I gotta turn my volume down. Oh, here we go. Wait, where is Facebook and where is my volume? <laughs> All right, I see this and I see that. There we go. All right, here we go. Now, I, now I'm in business. Now I'm cooking. Now we're cooking. Okay, so today is a different kind of a Frankie sense because we, oh, it's still going. All right. Different kind of Frankie sense because I am here with Brent Marchand. He is the Good Radio Network movie correspondent. We all know Brent. He comes on every month. And today he is with me and I'm going to share my screen with you. Uh, just give me one second here. I'm going to share my screen and I want to, I want to be able to make sure I can see everybody here. This is a picture of Brent. We all know who he is. Uh, Brent is the author of three books, Get the Picture, Consciously Created Cinema, and The Third Reel. He is with us today and we are going to the movies. We've never done a show all movie all day, but we're doing it today. And you all feel free to contact us and call me. And I'm going to actually put my uh, Facebook back in case any of you guys want to ask questions while we are broadcasting. I think it's a good idea to have my, my Facebook here, but I'm going to minimize it a little bit. Excuse me. I have so many, so many things to do as the engineer and the producer and doing all this stuff here. <laughs> but uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Brent, we're getting to you. One second. So here we are. We are, is it showing your picture here? There we go. Cool. It's showing your picture. And I can see my Facebook and I can see any of you guys if you want to join us and ask any questions. Um, that's very cool. I like that. This is technology is amazing, isn't it? Like honestly. <laughs> okay, Brent, uh, you're up to bat. We are going to be talking uh with the first movie, which is called The Shape of Water. What do you think? Is that a good place to start? Well, first of all, let me let me say thanks for having me back on the show, and uh, love to talk about movies because there's always lots to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, so uh, the first movie, The Shape of Water. Um, this is a, a wonderful little picture. It's um, kind of a modern day fairy tale in many ways, kind of a fantasy. Uh, it's a story set in the early '60s about a um, secret government marine lab in which a mute um, custodial worker played by Sally Hawkins um, is uh, she sort of stumbles into a project where the people have brought in 
this uh, creature that they found in the Amazon, and they're preparing to study it. And, and in many ways, the, the government people are not being very kind to the creature because they want to see if there's ways that they can, you know, tap into its special abilities and uh, perhaps, you know, maybe even weaponize it. And um, she, you know, takes pity on the way the creature is being treated and looks for ways to make its existence even better. And in the course of doing so, a very unusual friendship develops <laughs> that eventually leads to something more than that. And um, she basically is faced with the idea of how far am I willing to go to be able to protect the well-being of this creature, uh, given the odds that, you know, that it's, based, uh, that it's facing. Well, I, 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 I love Sally Hawkins. I fell in love with her and Maudie, you know, like mm-hmm. just, just loved her in that. And Octavia Spencer also stars in, in this movie who I adore. I mean, everything she's in, I just, there's just something about her that's so special and just makes you, you love her, you know, just, just look at it. Well, and, and the two of them have such a terrific chemistry together on the screen too. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other thing I liked about this movie is that it's a, it's a movie that celebrates the underdog. Because um, there are a lot of characters in this movie who are far from the mainstream. I mean, you know, uh, the character that Sally Hawkins plays, she's mute. So that kind of sets her apart. She's a woman who's, you know, not exactly at that time was in a terribly empowered position of uh, strength, you know. Um, Same thing with um, her coworker, uh, Octavia. She's a a minority and a woman. Again, the same thing. And cleaners. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, They get get some assistance from from Sally Hawkins' neighbor, who is a a middle-aged gay man. Um, And, of course, there's the creature himself, who is, you know, certainly not even human. Right. Um, But the thing is, these characters are, for the most part, very happy with their existence and very happy with their lives. And, you know, it's, uh, it really runs counter to the people who are in charge, the people who are in power, like the, um, the security chief of this lab played by Michael Shannon. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he, other, he tends to play that kind of role a lot. I think. Yeah. I mean, they're, pass, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, they're, they're nasty and gnarly and, yeah. and yet you know, they're the ones who've got the power and they're the ones who are the least happy. So, you know, you know it, it, it makes me crazy. Um, a little bit how how uh, we see aliens or, or people who aren't like us, and, and our first reaction is is to hurt them or you know to to just go on this on this like he he went I don't know where you go the jungles and brought this guy back and he goes I brought you all the way back and whatever right but but you know why why is it aliens or or people who aren't exactly like us our, our first response is is to to hurt to hurt them. To tear them apart or, and find out what makes them tick. Or, like, hello? Yeah, like, or, that's so or, or, <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say to dissect them. I mean, yeah, you know, dissect them. Like, you know, you we know, leave the people be who they are. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it kind of reminds me, you know, the, those extraterrestrial people, who, you know, the people who go, oh, I, I got taken up and I got probed and, you know, I'll, yeah, okay. So that's what everybody's doing, figuring out what are you? <laughs> you know, just exactly. Kind of, <laughs> instead of saying, hey, how's it going? Like, you know where are you in your development or whatever? <laughs> I mean, I think it shows where we are in our development, not too far along. <laughs> you have, that's well, our reaction. Well, so, well, someone asked me to describe this movie in terms of, if you had to like summarize it really quickly, what, what would you say about it? And I said, it's kind of like beauty and the beast meets ET. Yeah. You yeah, know, if, yeah. If you think of that combination, then you get a pretty good idea of what this movie is about. I mean, we're not talking 
an actual extraterrestrial, but we are talking somebody who's definitely not human. Um, and you're talking about uh, the creature's interaction with humans yeah. and uh, learning to find out what it means to, to be a good human or to be a bad human. And, and fortunately, you know, uh, the creature has an opportunity to meet people like the character that Sally Hawkins plays to show that, you know, that there are, um, you know, <laughs> we're not all, we're not all wicked. We're not all terrible. You know, there are, there is some humanity in our human, in, in our humanness. Um, and it's uh, nice to see it come forth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm glad to see, you know, Sally have, you know, maybe I just noticed her. I don't know. I mean, she's probably been doing movies a long time, but I'm glad to see her in another movie because she, she's very expressive. Like her, you know, she doesn't need to talk. She's very expressive. She well, she was nominated for, she was nominated for an Oscar a few years ago in a supporting role for uh, Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she was also, I believe in the, the first Paddington movie. Um, so she has been around for a while, but this has really kind of been her year. I mean, yeah. with Maudie and with this one, and she's getting a lot of recognition for it. And this movie is, um, it's a really strong contender for the Oscars this year. It's, I would say it's probably one of the top three in contention for taking home the big prize. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's one for you guys to go see. I can't wait to go see the shape of water. I, you know, I haven't seen it. But I saw the previews and I absolutely love them. And I think, yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to go do that. We're going to go see that movie because it's a pretty cool movie. Thanks for, for bringing that to our attention. Um, the next one we are going to talk about, and we all know Gary Oldman just got an award for it, was The Darkest Hour. Yes, this is, a, <laughs> this is a really a very powerful performance where he portrays uh, Winston Churchill at the time when he's uh, just starting to take over his reign as prime minister at the beginning of World War II. And, um, I mean, his performance is just, it's like he's channeling, you know, um, his character. He does it so thoroughly and so effectively. Um, the movie itself uh, basically shows the the challenges that he faced coming into power because he was not really the first choice. Uh, and also the fact that... Um, he was facing not only the war effort to try and sort that out, but also a lot of a lot of political uh, infighting within mm -hmm. British politics because they were trying to look for ways to see if they could get rid of him as well. Yeah. Um, so um, it was certainly a very precarious path that he had to to, to walk. Um, but um, you know, he he's um, certainly very inspiring from the standpoint of learning how to, um, you know, think outside the box and try different things that can help him solve the problems that he's facing. Uh, it was interesting because uh, many of his British colleagues were kind of willing to almost roll over and let, <clears throat> you know, let the, the, the enemy do what they wanted to do. Absolutely, yeah. And, you he, know? and, he, was, and he, he, he said, uh-uh, we can't do that. We'll become like a German lapdog if we end up doing that. So we've got to stick to the fight here. They actually and, put him uh, in office because they wanted him to lose, so that they could go. Oh, finally, we got so, a, a scapegoat, someone we can blame all the shit, yeah. on, right? And yeah, here, and exactly. here he is. You know, um, I, I, I've interviewed his grandson, I think, three times now. Jonathan Sands, great grandson, sorry, but three times now, and I'd be love to hear what Jonathan has to say about the movie and about the portrayal of of his as his great grandpapa, as he says. Um, it would be very interesting. And Lily James and Kristen Scott Thomas, who I love, is also in this movie. 
Yeah, it's it's got a very strong supporting cast and shows the people who the few people who were actually willing to back him and support him at the time. Those two are among them. Um, it's um, really a dynamic performance. He just and Gary Oldman just won the uh, Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Actor for this part. Um, he also won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Leading Actor. Uh, I think he's probably going to sweep through award season because he's, his performance just, is just really head and shoulders above everybody everybody else who's being nominated. So, uh, And it's good to see because he's a terrific actor who's been he, long overdue he has, for this kind yeah, of recognition. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean, he's only been nominated for an Oscar one other time, and, and he's given so many great performances over the years that, uh, his, it's really good to see him get his due. Now, as far as the movie is concerned, um, the only concern I had with it is that it does get to be a little too preoccupied with the British internal politics, I think, yeah. to kind of take away from the story. Um, in, in the process, it becomes a little talky. So that's really my only criticism of it. But um, see it for his performance, if nothing else, because he's, he's just terrific. And and uh, we'll let folks know that you will be coming back. We will be talking about the Oscars in another, you know, couple weeks. Yes. <laughs> so you have your chance. Maybe we'll let you vote again this year and see who you think is going to win. But uh, go out and see all these great movies. This is wonderful. Like we got a whole weekend coming up where you can just go to the movies and and check out check out these really cool movies. Got a whole bunch of them, whole whack of them here for talk about. So next one up, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has certainly been uh, the movie that's been dominating a lot of the conversation over the past month or so. Um, and uh, it's been interesting to see the reaction to it because it has not been universally loved the mm-hmm. way a lot of the other Star Wars movies have. And I find that kind of interesting because for me, I think this is the best one to come along in a long time. Um, it would be too complicated to go into the plot, but basically the idea here is that the the franchise is kind of taking um, a, a turn. Mm-hmm. It's going in in a new direction. Um, and to a certain extent, it almost kind of had to do that given the fact that, you know, the stars are aging or dying off, unfortunately. Um, and if it wants to stay fresh and stay relevant, it needs to go in a new direction. And that's one thing that this movie does very effectively uh, I'll admit I was a little hesitant going in because I was not a particularly huge fan of the last two movies in the franchise. But um, this one really, I thought, did a terrific job of breathing some new life into it. Uh, I thought it was uh, great for introducing and helping to bolster uh, the, the development of characters that have been recently introduced in the last film. Um And I was really impressed with uh, Mark Hamill's performance. I mean, he hasn't done a tremendous amount of screen work over the years since the original three movies. But this is, I think, some of the best work that he's done playing the aging Luke Skywalker. Um, So it's uh, it's a movie that's got um, it's got action. It's got a spiritual component to it. Uh, It makes you think. Um, it also features very prominently, very strongly empowered female characters. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is where some of the criticism has come in. I, I, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of people have looked at it and, and said, well, we want it to be more like the old Star Wars. Well, you know, that was, you know, male dominated and kind of bombastic a lot of times. And 
And this is, you know, bringing you a very different approach, very different outlook on things. Um, so I really would encourage people to see it if they haven't already done so. Um, it's um, great to look at. It's well acted. Um, a lot of fun. So go see it. And, and that stars Daisy Ridley, uh, John Boyega. And as you said, Mark Hamill. Uh, this is a special Frankie Sense and More. It's an all-movie Frankie Sense and More. And I'm the voice that you're hearing over there because we can't see his pretty face anymore is Brent Marchand. And he has been our longtime movie correspondent critic. And he's amazing. And he just gives such fulsome uh, reviews of these movies. So I think that you know if you want to go and see this or not. You really will. <laughs> the next one on our list, let me see here, is... Where are we going here? The Disaster Artist. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I talk about unusual movies. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to share um, with you here for a second so you guys can see it. Where is it here? Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, the Disaster Artist tells the, the backstory behind the making of what is often called probably the best good bad movie ever to come out of uh, you know Hollywood um it's based on a, a little known director whose name was um uh, Tommy Wiseau and he made a movie called The Room which uh I have not seen but from everything I've heard about it is just so utterly awful that you can't help but you know <laughs> laugh your butt off all the way through it I saw and a little James bit of Frank, it. Oh my gosh. It's like the worst movie you've ever seen. The worst everything. James Franco uh, plays the role of, um, of Tommy Wiseau um, and the process that he went through to bring this um, creation of his into being. Uh, and it's interesting to see how um, he honestly thought he was creating a great piece of art as he was making this film. Uh, and everyone around him was just shaking their head going, I can't believe I'm even associated with this project. It's just so terrible. Um, but it was because it was so terrible that it ended up developing like this cult following. Yeah. Um, you know, people he's would a character. midnight shows of it. Yeah, he is. He's he a is. character. <laughs> and, and he's so funny. And people are like, you know, where are you from? Like, what's your accent? He goes, <laughs> he would never tell anybody. He's in New Orleans, Europe. He does, he'll never tell anybody where he's from. Still to yeah. the day. And I was watching an interview with, with him and um, with, with James Franco and, and Tommy comes out and, and he said, um, they said, you know, what, what, what do you think about James, you know, portrayal of you in this movie? He goes, oh, it was like 99.9%, you know, perfect. And he, he goes, well, what was the 1% you didn't like? And he said, he said, I think it was a little dark in the beginning, like the, the yeah. lighting. And he always wears sunglasses <laughs> and he watched the movie with dark sunglasses on. He goes, I think it's because you wear sunglasses. <laughs> he's a character. He's very funny. But, and, and well, I think he well, knows well, he's not good, you know? He's a character. Well, and, and James, <laughs> yeah, and James Franco really captures him to a T. I mean, oh God, you know, yeah. when you, I mean, uh, I've never been a terribly huge fan of James Franco. I, I've always felt like he's been kind of, kind of playing at movie making in a lot of ways. And it's it was good to see him do a part where you really get to see his true talents come through. Um, and uh, for his efforts, he ended up taking home the Golden Globe for best lead actor in a comedy. So, um, you know, he really does a he does a terrific job with this part. 
How fun um, to do a, a movie with your brother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brothers are in it. Well, and, and he also brings in an awful lot of people in, in small roles yeah. that you don't necessarily recognize right away. People like Sharon Stone. And, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's great the way he's cast this film. I mean, it's just, you know, terrifically done in many ways. Um, it's um, still in theaters. Uh, it's been out for a little while, but it's it's really uh, it's fun and uh, it's actually kind of prompted sort of a, a renaissance for the movie it was based on too. The the room itself has actually started playing in theaters again because uh, people say, <laughs> "Well, I want to go see this movie that this thing is based on." Now, <laughs> have you ever been to the movie theater? I went to the movie theater and I can't remember which movie it is, but you'll probably remember what it was. And we 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 all sat down and one of the you know the movie people who worked there, they came to the front and they said, look, a lot of people have left this movie within the first 10 minutes. So if you want to leave this movie, you know, you can do so now uh, and we'll give you your money back. No problem. You know, even do it in the first 10 minutes. Uh, But you know, if you stay, then you're on your own kind of thing. She goes, and it was, it was a movie that it was a movie about making a movie. um, And Oh, geez, big, big actors in it, like big actors in it. And, and it was like the worst movie we ever saw. And we we're like, oh my God. I thought, you know, maybe these people are wrong. Like everybody walked out. Like who walks out of a movie, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've never had anybody say that to me before at the movie theater. This is terrible. Uh, we're playing this movie, but yeah, we'll give you your money back if you don't want it. The only two I can think of where people, a lot of people actually got up and walked out. One is going back a few years, but one was The Exorcist. Because yeah. a lot of people were, you know, scared to death watching it, and then also many years later, Showgirls. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was, this had Holly Berry, and it had uh, Dennis Quaid, and um, oh geez, who else was it? And Dennis Quaid was trying to get money to make a movie, or or it was this other guy was trying to get money to make a movie, and Dennis wasn't a good. I mean, like star, like a big star is all like a, a big compilation of stars in this movie about this guy who wanted to make a bad movie kind of thing. I, I can't remember, but yeah, crazy. I thought, Oh, it's gotta be great. I love everybody in this movie. Yeah. They, they made it. It, it, it must've been bad. Cause I'm not, I'm not, uh, you're I'm not, not even, coming, not even not, coming through. Not, not, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Huh? I know. All right. So the disaster artist, go see it. Still playing. Okay. Up next. Ooh, I Tanya. Okay, so we're talking about the movie that came up at the top of the list of my favorites for the year. Really? Okay, um, great. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this. Uh, it's actually, uh, there's a review of it on the current Movies with Meaning post on the uh, the Good Media Network website. Uh, this tells the story of uh, Tanya Harding, the famous or infamous figure skater from the early 90s who became um, involved in a huge scandal involving fellow skater uh, Nancy Kerrigan, uh, when some of her associates were linked to um, attacking her, her prior, yeah. prior to <laughs> competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the um, but the thing with with the story is it it gives you background about Tony's life and upbringing, and uh, she had a hard time of it growing up. I mean, she lived with an, an abusive mother, and then she had an abusive husband, and um, to a certain extent, you know, those things gave her an edge that typified um, the way she did her skating routines, which were not 
falling in line with the expectation of the, you know, ultra feminine figure skater. And she was doing terrific work and the judges were, you know, shafting her for it because they're like, well, you know, you're not really putting out the kind of image that we're trying to convey it. Yeah, she's skating to ZZ Top. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, skating to ZZ Top and wearing blue nail polish and, you know, all these kinds of things that really set her apart. Um, And she also had a tremendous athleticism to her uh, her routines. I mean, she was um, the first skater to perform a triple axle jump in competition, which involves three and a half revolutions. And uh, I mean, that was something that, you know, the typical prototypical uh, little dainty princesses were not supposed to be doing, you know, but you couldn't ignore it because she did it. And it's like, wow, look at what she just did. You know, you know it's interesting so, though, Brent, it's interesting that, you know, figure skating is an expensive sport and she's definitely extremely. blue collar. <laughs> So where does she get the money to, to skate, to become a, like an Olympic, you know, level skater? Well, she ended up getting, uh, she got a bankroll by her mother, who was a, a waitress who constantly, constantly, constantly reminded Tanya about, I'm doing everything I can so you can do, do this career that you want to do. Okay. Um, and um, uh, her mother, as portrayed in the film by Alice and Janney, wasn't, Absolutely. She's getting a, an award. She was a beast. She was a beastly character. I mean, just really terrible. Uh, she kept lauding all of her hard work over Tanya when she was trying to, you know, develop her art and so forth. But um, the uh, the film has an interesting format. It's told largely through a series of monologues and flashbacks um, where you end up seeing each of the principal characters just kind of talking to the screen about how the story unfolded. And then it will cut to a recreation of the action. And many times those recreations of the action will involve little asides from the characters as as it's unfolding. Like there's one scene where Tanya is um, uh, going after her husband with a shotgun after he beats her. And she looks at the camera at one point and said, this never happened. (laughs) I love it. Margaret Robbie, love her so much. Oh, she was so good in this. Um, now, did she skate? Margot Robbie and and Alice and Janney as her yeah, mother. Alice and I mean, they were both she's getting, just I heard she's getting an award. Like no doubt about it, Alice and Janney's getting an award. Yeah, she picked up the uh, the Golden Globe and the Critics Choice Awards for Best Supporting Actress, and she's. I think she might end up running the table during award season because she's just that good. I, mean, I love this her. again. This is fantastic. Yeah, this is this is somebody else who's been overlooked for a long time and um, has been doing a lot of great work. And it's really nice to see her getting her due. And she certainly does it in this performance because I mean, you come out of the movie saying, Oh God, I can't stand that woman. You know, that's good. That's how effective she is. Yeah. Don't shoot Alice. (laughs) So did did, did Marco really skate? I, you know, I'm not sure. I'd have to check the production notes to see that. But if she didn't, she sure as hell made it look pretty convincing. Cool. The a lot, a lot of the cinematography during the skating sequences is really well done because it follows her around as if it, you're on the ice with her as she's doing the skating. Yeah. You really feel as though you were part of the routine as it's unfolding. And yeah. uh, just really, just tremendous work in that regard. Um, I like this movie on so many levels. It's it's a it's a very strong cautionary tale, but it's also wickedly funny 
wonderfully paced, wonderfully edited. Uh, it's got a great soundtrack to it. The performances are outstanding. I mean, I, I kind of had, I didn't have really doubts about it going in, but I didn't think I was going to end up liking it as much as I did to put it at the top of my list of movies for 2017. I just really liked this a lot. Wow. Now, that's, if you're, that's if heavy. you're, that's heavy. yeah. <laughs> now, if you're, now, if, if you are a sensitive viewer when it comes to things like language and, you know, mm-hmm. violence and things like that, yeah, you might want to skip it because it's definitely got an edge to it. Um, but if you appreciate dark humor and you're okay with those kinds of things, go see this. It just, it, goes by at a breakneck pace and um it's 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 just terrific on so many levels awesome i cannot wait to go see this movie which brings us up to our next one. Oh, and just to remind you guys this is frankie sense and more and i'm talking to brent marcia and i'm your host frankie picasso hi <laughs> it's still january it's still the beginning of 2018 and and we're still learning and doing uh, this new visual show so it's pretty cool hopefully very soon brent will be able to join us on camera but right now you're seeing the movie posters and pictures of the movies and the actors and myself back and forth so that's kind of fun we're going to talk about the post now, which which did start. Yeah, so the, the post is the it, it's the latest film from Steven Spielberg. It stars uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, and tells the backstory behind the Washington Post's uh, involvement in the publication of the Pentagon Papers in 1971. Um, documents that uh, revealed a long history by the U.S. government of covering up its involvement in Vietnam, both before the war and during it. Through four uh, presidents. Terms, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going all the way back to Truman and carrying on all the way mm-hmm. up through Nixon. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a very gutsy move on the part of the paper because it was in a rather precarious position financially at the time. It was in the process of getting ready to go public mm-hmm. so that it could continue to stay afloat financially. Um, and it was also a time when, when Nixon was cramping down on, you know, the, uh, media coverage of, of the war and of, uh, the publication of government secrets. Um, uh, the story was initially, um, broke by the New York Times and he came down on them like with a ton of bricks and the post kind of joined into the battle and, um, they were in danger of being, you know, facing the same kind of punishment, yeah. uh, you know, so, um, Talk about the fourth the, estate, uh, you know, being shut up. Like, exactly. Uh, totally against the Constitution. Nixon. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I mean, in that regard, it's, it's, it's a movie that's still surprisingly relevant even today, given the way the state of journalism in the U.S. these days. Yeah. Um, but the, um, the film um, shows how everything plays out. Um, Meryl Streep plays Catherine Graham, the uh, publisher of the newspaper who sort of fell into the role it was certainly not something that she envisioned doing but she was thrust into this position of having to make these huge decisions when she probably would have rather been you know more comfortable hosting cocktail parties and things like that well, she was um, widow. and her husband passed she, away uh actually her husband committed suicide oh he committed suicide so, yeah yeah wow. so she was she was suddenly you know in a very a position that she was not expecting to be in uh, but she wanted to keep the paper in the family. And, yeah, it was um, her family's paper, not her husband's. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it was a, a bit of a surprise when the paper was initially handed over to her husband. But her father uh, believed that 
you know, her husband was uh, a, a genius mm-hmm. you know, in business and that he could do a good job with it. And apparently he, you know, he did, but I don't know if it was the strain of the job that got to him or what it was that exactly happened that eventually, you know, led to him uh, taking his own life. But then she inherited it and was left to kind of, you know, keep it afloat after that. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Tom Hanks, he plays uh, Ben Bradley, the executive editor of the paper, who is responsible for overseeing the the journalistic aspects of this. And he naturally wanted to keep pushing and make sure that this got out as being a very strong First Amendment advocate. Uh, so you also have, in addition to all these other things going on, you have some kind of internal strife going on between the characters played by Streep and Hanks because they're sort of, you know, at loggerheads with one another over what to do. Uh, he was saying, you know, if you believe in the First Amendment, if you believe in the freedom of the press, if you believe in what American journalism stands for, mm-hmm. we have to fight this. We have to keep moving forward. So that's the, that's the basic premise of what the what the film tells. And um, what did you think my, of that? Um, I, overall, it it gets better as it goes on. Um, it's a little slow in the first forty minutes or so because you're kind of getting the setup for the story. And it's a little belabored uh, when it comes to yeah. explaining the, the financial background of the paper and so forth. I think they could have cut through that a lot quicker and it would have been a better picture because once you start getting into uh, the heart of the matter in terms of how they got a hold of the documents to, to publish and the, the uh, constitutional and ethical and legal rights that they had to contend with, with bringing the paper, with bringing these papers to press, that's when it really starts to get engaging. I thought um, it was a little boring. I did. I have to be honest. I thought it was a little boring. Um, Tom Hanks, though, hardly recognized him right away. You know, which is kind of, which is kind of good. Um, and, and you know, his name is escaping me right now. But if you're, you know, Better Call Saul fan, it was so great to see him in this movie. Oh, Bob, Bob yeah. Odenkirk. Yeah, Bob yeah, he was terrific. Yeah, he was great. He was great, and I love him so. Yeah, he's one. Yeah, of I was. Favorite. I was a little. I was a little underwhelmed by both Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in this, yeah. which is unusual for me to say that because I'm a big fan of both of them. Um, I, I, you know, when I was uh, when I was watching this, I guess there's the the inevitable tendency to want to compare Hanks's performance as Ben Bradley with Jason Robards' performance as Ben Bradley in All the President's Men. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I thought, you know, uh, Jason Robards was sort of the definitive Ben Bradley character. Hanks tries real hard, but um, Bradley was a character who had an edge to him. And Tom Hanks, he's such a nice guy that I had I had a little trouble kind of being convinced that he was being as as gritty as he maybe could have been, yeah. you know, portraying this character. So, um but, um, it's the kind of movie that I think is important to see for the message that it's conveying as much mm-hmm. as anything. As I say, if you can make it through the first 40 minutes or so um, without, you know, being tempted to get up and walk out or, yeah. or, you know, doze off. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you'll be fine with it. So. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. It's just not my favorite of the season. Not, not as good as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing that kind of surprised me. I mean, when, when, the, when the first awards of the season were announced, the national board of review, which is, um, uh, it, it's, a awards that are 
basically on par, if not higher than the Oscars themselves. It took home the award for best picture, best actor and best actress. I thought, Ooh, this has got to be. Wow. Wow. You know, and then when I went to see it, I was like, "Eh, you know, I like it, but not that much. much. You know, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. Okay. Uh, Molly's game. Wow. Yeah, this is a, this is a fun one. Um, I love Jessica Chastain, man. She's like my new favorite. You know, and she's one of these people who can like slip into almost any role and just make, you know, disappear into it like a chameleon in so many ways. I mean, in many ways, I I almost kind of see her as like the new Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. You know, she's that she's that effective at and in terms of uh, the roles that she takes on and, and participating in them. Um, this tells the story of a an Olympic class skier who uh, had a career-ending injury and had to find something to do. And she ended up kind of stumbling into a very high-stakes poker game uh, run by her boss at the job that she took. And she decided, "Eh, you know what, I can do this for myself. (laughs) So she ended up establishing her own high-stakes poker game with very high rollers. Um, But in the process of doing so, she ended up getting involved with some rather unsavory characters. And, um, it's the nature of the game. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you know, Russian mobsters and and all kinds of people who were just, you know, not the kind of folks you necessarily want to associate with. Yeah. But in the in the course of all of this unfolding, um, she was having to contend with, why did I do this anyways? <laughs> you know, I mean, she just sort of found herself in the midst of it, and then didn't seemed to be able to find a way to get out of it. Um, so she had to kind of question her motivations and so forth, and she was basically trying to save her neck financially and legally. Um, and it brings up some very interesting issues, and you know, related to things like uh, the relationship she had with her family and uh, her relationship with her lawyer and um, even her relationship with herself. So... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, terrific uh, performance by Jessica Chastain. Terrific supporting performances by people like Idris Elba and Kevin Costner. And I um, love Idris Elba, and it's 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 like his year too. Like he's been in so many movies. Yeah. So many movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or last year, uh, the end of last year, I guess. Um, now the other, the only real criticism I had with this film is that um, it feels a little overwritten at times. It was it was written by Aaron Sorkin, who is best known for doing the TV show The West Wing and also movies like um, uh, uh, Social Network and so forth. And some of the dialogue, it's snappy and it's clever, but it doesn't always sound as natural as I would like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can kind of overlook that aspect of it, I think you'll really enjoy it. But really, it moves. It's a it's a long movie. I think it's like about two hours and twenty minutes. But oh, it moves wow, yeah. along at a it, it, but it moves along at a breakneck pace because um, of the way it's it's written, the way it's edited, and just when you see all the various colorful characters who she's involved with during the course of this movie. It, it, it's a, it's a fascinating story. So she plays um, an intense character really well. It, what was that that movie last year she did where um you know she she Oh, had, the zookeeper's wife. Not the zookeeper's, the zookeeper's wife, wife. The one before that one where oh, she or maybe that? just after it where she was like uh, a high-powered uh person she had, you know. Oh, um oh, Miss Sloan. Yeah, Miss Sloan. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Really good movie. Yeah, I'm really waiting for 
for her to get her due at some point. I don't think it's going to come this year, but she's uh, somebody who really deserves to get the kind of recognition that um, that she's earned through I the different so parts. I mean, the zookeeper's wife was so different, such a big departure from from you know either of these two roles. And th- with the accent, she was very much like like uh, like you said, um, like. Uh, <laughs> brain dead, brain dead right now. Uh, who did we just talk oh, about? She, Meryl Streep, just like Meryl Streep. Sure. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, she has that same capability to take on, you know, um, the accents and and like Meryl, you know, could just walk into. Well, it well even when even when you go back to one of her first roles when she played uh, kind of the kind of the uh, a ditzy Southern belle mm-hmm. in the movie The Help. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's proven such that she's got such a range that she can do so many different kinds of characters that, um, you know, she does and she always does such a great job with it. Yeah. You know? And again, you can add this one. You can add this one to her list. Shout out to Sarah Hepburn. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Glad you could join us today. It's movie day. It's Frankie Sense and more special movie edition with our movie critic, Brent Marchand. And we have another movie to share with you. I'm going to just go back to my screen here so you can see the poster. Uh, coming up now is, what's coming up now? Film stars don't die in Liverpool. Annette Bening. Yes. Love her. And yeah, this one just, one my favorite. This one, this one uh, was just released. Um, and it tells the, um, the, the story of the final days of, uh, character actress uh, Gloria Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, did a lot of movies back in the uh, 40s and 50s. Um, she's maybe best known for playing the character of the uh, sort of scandalous Violet Bick in It's a Wonderful Life. Um, she was kind of a, a, in many ways, she's often been described as kind of a, a Marilyn Monroe wannabe who never quite achieved the same kind of acclaim that uh, Marilyn Monroe did. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, the story set in the late 70s and early 80s when she was in her early 50s. And um, her career had sort of fallen on hard times, so she was always looking for whatever work she could get. And uh, while she was in England, she ended up meeting and becoming involved with a, a younger man uh, named Peter Turner, who was con- many, many years her junior. And they had this very kind of um, tumultuous kind of relationship. But it was obvious that the two of them really were just mad about one another. And uh, the, the film follows the, uh, the stormy relationship that they had during the last couple of years of her life, um, showing you know, not only what she was going through, what he was going through, but the lengths that each of them was willing to go to to make this relationship work because of the love that they felt for one another. And um, this is a movie that, to me, has really fallen under the radar in terms of the recognition it deserved. Um, it did not pick up anything in terms of any kinds of nominations in the awards competitions until the um, the, the BAFTA Awards, which are the British Oscars, mm-hmm. were just announced about a week and a half ago, um, in which Annette Bening and her co-star Jamie Bell were both nominated for their lead performances. Um, Annette Bening is just terrific in this role. I think this is probably she's always terrific in every role. Well, this to, I think to me in many ways, I think this may very well be the best screen performance she's ever given. Really, wow! She's, she's that she's that good. I mean, when when you look at the character of um, 
you know, Gloria Graham through the movies that she's done over the years and so forth. She's somebody who it could be very easy to screw up mm-hmm. doing that part and not come across looking like a fool. And she ends up nailing it really just perfectly. Um, and um, it's a, uh, it, it's a it's a tearjerker in a lot of ways. So I mean, you know, if, if you like good old fashioned love stories, but you don't mind, you know, maybe shedding a few tears while you're watching it, then then this is definitely a movie for you. I mean, I yeah. But the thing that I liked about it too is that it it's not really terribly manipulative in getting the emotion out of you. It works really hard to get and earn those emotions. Um, so is Julie so Walters that, Jamie Bell's mother in this movie? Yes. yes. Okay. And uh, Vanessa Redgrave has a small part in it playing um, okay. Annette Benning's mother. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, and the other thing um, that I find interesting about this movie is, is that uh, one, of the, one of the award season categories that I usually pay the least amount of attention to is, is the category of original song. Because most people just don't really pay attention to movie songs yeah. as much as they did many years ago. But in the closing, over the closing credits for this film, there is an original composition that was um, written and performed by Elvis Costello that is just dynamite. And I'm amazed that nobody's talking about it. Wow. Uh, it's a song, I believe it's called uh, Don't Look at Me That Way. And it's a, it's a very fitting song for the film. And I also like the fact that it really shows how much um, Elvis Costello has matured as a composer as well. Uh, so I'm, you know, talking it up as much as I can because I was really, I love the way it, I love the song. I love the way it fit into the film. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful. Just beautiful I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll come out, you know, I mean, between Diana Crawler's wife and Elvis and <laughs> I'm sure that, that uh, they're not going to go into obscurity anytime soon. <laughs> So this is a this is a, a fun movie. You might have to look a little bit hard for it because it's only playing in independent theaters at this point, mm-hmm. and it's not getting a terribly wide release. Uh, some markets it may not have even come out yet. Yeah, I hate when they do um, that. You always get to see the best. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, being in a big city as I am, I get to see these things pretty much right when they come out. But um, I really enjoyed this one a lot. So. I would say definitely go see it. Well, we have presented, Brent has presented some amazing movies here today. Uh, there's no reason for you to be bored. <laughs> if you love movies like we love movies, uh, you know, I, I, I guess first time I list, I'm going to, I don't know, I, I'm torn between The Shape of Water and I, Tonya, because I think both of them are, they're so different, but so beautiful. Um, I know that I'll probably go see both of those this weekend. <laughs> Okay. Well, they're okay. both they're both good. They're both good. I think you'll you'll come away from it definitely very pleased with uh, with both of them. So, so if you've listened to this broadcast, if you if you view this broadcast later on, let us know which what movie you went to see. Let us know which one you liked. And come Oscars, you know Brent's going to come back and and we can play the voting game. Let's play the voting game. Why not? It'll be fun. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Brent, for coming on today and, and being my special guest all day. That's really cool. And thanks oh, my to pleasure. Uh, Ariane and Sarah for tuning in live. It's good to see you girls here and everybody else. And uh, I will be back on Tuesday with Mission Unstoppable. Again, we'll be live on Facebook Live and our new YouTube channel, which is the Good Media Network. And 
you still go to the Good Radio Network for your podcast. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.